This podcast is dedicated to the brother Demarius Bell. Man, you got some white bread teams, but I still got love for you, brother. <laughs> Y'all know what it is. Let's get it. You're listening to Making a Difference, and I'm your host, Ken Macon. So glad you guys are checking in to the podcast. Just want to encourage you guys, as always, uh, to, if you're listening to this from SoundCloud, follow me on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. If you are reading or if you're clicking the SoundCloud from Facebook, I want to um, encourage you to follow the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash making a different show. Um, want to have a conversation, and it's, I think it's just fitting because of so much of what we've seen in the news recently. We also have the NBA finals going on. A lot of the conversation, I just think on social media and I just think really in, just in media in general is about celebrity. And I really want to talk about what I be- and how I believe that, you know, society is so entertainment driven. And I think that's very dangerous during a time where information is not prevalent, particularly information that, you know, relates to everyday life you know whether it be political or social or just really you know just informational i think that society lacks that we hear a lot about you know push t versus drake lebron versus jordan you know conversations like that and i'm not saying that people shouldn't be entertained i'm certainly an individual who enjoys hip-hop i definitely enjoy sports i just think that we're getting to a point now and i think that the media, the powers that be, whomever you want to call it, they're really taking advantage of our insatiable appetite for entertainment. And so with that, the name of this episode is Celebrity Addiction. I mentioned recently that entertainment has become so powerful and polarizing that it's actually become political. And so it's interesting to see these conversations about Drake versus Pusha T and LeBron versus Jordan. <laughs> I mean, because we aren't tired of that conversation. Um, and I just encourage people. I said that I just all I ask is that you understand that most of us do have the power to talk about politics without necessarily talking about Trump. It just requires a presumed knowledge of the subject matter. Don't run from those conversations because there's more important stuff than rapping sports and Roseanne. And so I think Roseanne is, is a good talking point and uh, point of reference, you know, to start this discussion. And that's where I shout out to Brother Demarius Bell because he uh, shared a graph with me from Media Matters for America. And it's uh, showed cable news coverage of reported 4,600 Hurricane Maria deaths in Puerto Rico versus Roseanne's Barr's racist tweet and canceled TV show. And so on Fox News, there was 48 seconds of uh, coverage on Puerto Rico versus a little under two hours of uh, coverage for Roseanne. CNN had 12 minutes and three seconds um, of coverage versus a little under five hours of Roseanne. MSNBC, 21 minutes of coverage of Puerto Rico and then about three, about a little over three and a half hours of coverage on Roseanne that was May 29th uh, plus the morning shows from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on May 30th and so you know these are I'm, I'm very hesitant to in any way shape or form suggest that Fox News is a standard maybe for you know conservative uh, news or you know extremist right news but I mean I mean it could, it could be argued that you know, when you talk about Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all of those are, are biased and have a certain lane. I, I certainly wouldn't argue against that. But to the point, why is it that there is so much more of an emphasis on Roseanne's show being canceled in that racist tweet than Puerto Rico? And I think it's very simple. It's that, as I mentioned before, this is an entertainment driven society. 
And so when you have an entertainment driven society, everything is about, you know, what's what's the most salacious, what's the most, you know, what what names, you know, can be, you know, can can we pull what names are, you know, are, are tweet worthy or newsworthy or or trending topics, if you will. And, you know, we there, there's a part that, you know, the, that the viewing audience plays in this as well. And so, you know, how, how I feel about a lot of these things, I think there is a mutualistic responsibility between the media and the viewing audience. Now, it's worth mentioning that as a person and, and I, I've worked in the media, um, I'm, of course, doing more freelance journalism at this point. But I've actually worked for the news media. I've worked uh, for newspapers. I've worked you know, on radio. I have done that for the better part of the last. Let me count back better part of the last 15 years. And so there are certain dynamics in the newsroom that are very distressing. Uh, the first dynamic that is distressing in the newsroom is and continues to be the lack of uh, black faces who are actually writing and making and editing and making decisions on the news. Uh, at the time of my employment, uh, well, we'll say three newspapers, um, those newspapers that shall not be named at this juncture, um, one of those to include a, and actually I will, I will exclude the uh, African-American newspaper that I worked at. Actually, I worked at two of those papers. So four, I'll exclude those papers just for, uh, just so people can have an understanding of, of this discussion. I, at that time was between those two newspapers that the two non, uh, African-American newspapers, I was during my, let's see, about five years of working there. I can count on two hands how many black folks and I'm not talking about custodian people. And of course, we need those folks. I'm talking about people who actually wrote and, you know, wrote and edited the news. I can count those people on two hands. So what happens, you know, in media when you I mean, you basically it's, it's like Congress. You got, all, you know, you got all white men that, that are that's dictating, you know. Uh, what news goes out, what's important, what's not important. So I think that's a, a very important part of the discussion when you look at, you know, what what's being presented in the media, even what's being presented in entertainment. And when you can say, OK, well, we think Roseanne is more important than what's going on in Puerto Rico. I think I mean, it's, it goes without saying that it's very disappointing. But I, I want to dig deep on this Roseanne uh, piece because so many folks you know, when it was announced that Roseanne was immediately fired or dismissed from uh, ABC and her shows were canceled and blah, blah, blah. This was seen as this big victory. And my contention is and, and continues to be Roseanne has said this stuff for years. Roseanne was saying this type of stuff when she was originally hired by ABC. So what makes it so different? You know, at, at this juncture, you know, she I understand. And trust me, I am in no way, shape or form approving of anything Roseanne says. As a matter of fact, I, I mean, it was disappointing that she was hired in the first place. I'm glad to see that she no longer has that platform, a platform that I believe they said her first episode, 27 million people watch. And I'm just I'm really trying to understand, you know, do people have short term memory loss? You know, when it comes to these things that she said over the years or what, but nevertheless, there's this illusion of, oh, well, you know, we're, we're, we're beating back, you know, this conservative movement or we're beating back this Trumpism and nothing can be further from the truth. And I think it's important to understand the faces. That dictate and, and the 
the folks who dictate that these folks like Roseanne or not dictate, but allow folks like Roseanne to be able to get these opportunities over and over and over again. It's a black woman that hired um that basically that. Well, that's the make sure I get this right. ABC, I think she's the director of uh, entertainment or you know TV production or what uh, whatever it is. But she signed off on Roseanne. So how is it that we can make all of these, you know, disparaging comments in the aftermath, knowing full well who Roseanne was in a way? It's like, hey, Trump was, you know, (laughs) you know, placed into this office and into the Electoral College, you know, didn't have the popular vote. But that decision was made. And with the stuff that the stuff that Trump is doing now, he's doing it. And we have the full understanding that. You know, Trump was a moron even as he campaigned. Trump was, you know, bigoted, racist, short sighted as he campaigned. So where, you know, I guess I I guess I'm just kind of at this point. I'm just like, you know, just miss me with the dramatics and not only miss me with the dramatics, but this underscores the importance of holding people accountable at the beginning and not letting these folks get into a position to where they can make these type of mistakes. And we can sit up here and, you know, seem, you know, act, act or pretend to be shocked or or whatever the case may be. I also think it's ironic that as we're having this conversation about Roseanne and that she was allowed uh, this opportunity. Roseanne, I mean, when she came back on TV, I think there was a between her between the original Roseanne. show, I think there had been a hiatus of 15, 20 years. And so it's interesting to me that, you know, with all of that time having passed, that Roseanne was basically the the red carpet was rolled out for her. And then I can't help but think of a situation where there was a young lady who did not want to show on ABC, who, you know, as standards go, you know, probably wouldn't have been allowed that opportunity for a number of reasons. But I mean, we, we sit up here or we sat up here and we ridiculed Monique for you know um you know for saying well hey you know for trying to negotiate a better deal you know for this netflix special and what do we do we threw in the trash and you guys will remember that episode you guys really listened to it and supported that episode and i said then and i'll say now i don't support a lot of the the work that monique does i think she's unfunny in a lot of ways but one thing i support is i support African-Americans. I support black folk. I support the idea of negotiating to get what you believe you're worth. People say, well, and, and, and this happens in athletics and entertainment and so many different avenues. People say, well, so-and-so is not worth that. And I never want people to, for, to forget this. This is fact. It's not so much, quote unquote, how about, about how much you're worth or how much someone thinks you're worth. It's how much you can negotiate period. That's, that's how business works. And so I'm, I'm creating that, that comparative analysis to say, look, you know, this, this, this is why, this is why I underscore the importance of supporting ideologies, supporting ideas instead of being lost in the idea of celebrity. But of course, invariably we, we get lost into that because we're addicted to celebrity. I want to dig deeper into this after the break. Because we're getting to a point now where celebrity is becoming such a a fixture in American politics and in American culture that we're actually placing celebrities and giving them an opportunity to actually dictate 
public policy to actually um, be able to speak on prison reform policy. And I, I, that's that goes without saying that it's dangerous. Uh, but we'll talk more about that after these messages. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College, Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. This episode is not sponsored um, by uh, the presumed side effects of Ambien, <laughs> according to Roseanne Barr. Uh, she blamed uh, Ambien for those racist tweets. If anything, um, I wish she would have taken just a little bit more so that uh, she could go to sleep. <laughs> you know, if you're going to talk that type of foolishness, man, I mean, what what do you take us for? Anyway, before the break, I was talking about, you know, our addiction to celebrity. And I've said often on this show, the deification of celebrity. But we're getting to a point now where, I mean, even with the election of Donald Trump, where we're allowing celebrities and entertainers to be able to profoundly dictate public policy and make no mistake about it as we, and I'm going to shift the conversation here shortly to talk about Kim Kardashian and this prison reform. And I mean, the ridiculousness of all of that, but I just want to talk about Donald Trump for a second. And, you know, this idea of what Trump's policy looks like. And there are two things I want to, I want to talk about here. And the first thing is, is that largely Trump's policy is, it's basically, in short, anti-Obama policy. It's that everything Barack Obama did over the course of eight years, Donald Trump wants to undo that. Is it, um, ego? Is it egotistical? Certainly, that is that is a motivation. You know, is it? I don't, I don't see Donald Trump as so much of a extremist politician. You know, one way or the other. I just see him as an entertainer and as a businessman who is using the White House to you know, um, supplement his ego and, you know, and to basically want to make more money, you know, through, um, you know, with the influence of being the president or the leader of the free world. But so the first part of that is, that, as I mentioned, if Trump's policy is anti-Obama policy, first day in, uh, first time homebuyers credit buy, throw it out the window. And so you're seeing these, you know, these steps that Trump's taken over a period of time. And it's nothing more than to say, you know what, I'm just going to undo everything Barack Obama did. And his base loves it because, let's face it, there has been this anti-Obama fervor that, you know, had been built up basically since before or since, you know, Obama initially campaigned to become president. So this is, you know, I mean, we've had eight to 10 years of this really building up. And I mean, when we talk about anti-Obama fervor, I mean, we're talking about nothing more than, I mean, good old American racism and just, you know, hating a black man being in a leadership position. I mean, I I'm going to make it plain here. Y'all know how I do. I'm making a difference. Anyway, second part of Trump's um, policy. It's amazing to see Trump 
dictate to the NFL owners and essentially to NFL players what they can and cannot say and how they can and cannot protest. A lot of what's been dictated and even at this point in terms of NFL players um, largely being discouraged or excuse me, not discouraged. They have, it's basically a rule has been put in place that they either have to stay in a locker room or if they do come out on the field that they have to stand. A lot of that was dictated by Donald Trump pressing the issue, pressing the issue, pressing the issue. And so you think about that and, you know, sometimes we I, I think we don't understand the power of the presidency, not so much in policy, because in terms of policy, you know, there's Congress and just extending to the three branches of government. And those are you know supposed to balance balance each other out. But using the president's bully pulpit to just be able to speak to certain issues and have that already bolster or, or boost up the the power of an already strong um, force or influence. And in this case, being the NFL owners, when you talk about the NFL owners and the NFL players and, you know, I've folks are wanting to, you know, compare the NFL and the NBA because the NBA basically has the same rule regarding the anthem. And to me, there's one very clear distinction and it's not so much about the anthem and what players can or can't do it's the nature of the league and the nature of the influence and the ability to come together and stand together as a as a united force and in the nba which i tell people all the time it's it's a players league you know it's a league where you know obviously you know they're they're teams and but do we care more about teams or do we care more about individuals in the NBA? It's more about the individuals, more about the players. It's more, it's about LeBron. It's about Kobe. It's about Jordan. It's about, you know, your Chris Paul's, your Stephen Curry's. We don't care about the, the coaches or as a matter of fact, the, it, it can be argued that the players have more influence on, than the coaches in terms of just, you know, whether this coach stays on or gets fired. I mean, you look at a player like LeBron James, he has had that autonomy. Even to the point where he's able to challenge, you know, Dan Gilbert, the owner, is able to challenge, you know, GMs, things like that. You don't have that in NFL. Players don't have that type of influence. So when you talk about a conflict, even in, you know, when, when, when you have conversations about collective bargaining. And I want to say something about that very quickly, because the NFL players, whatever they're doing in terms of the anthem, make no mistake about it. It's about the bottom line, the bottom line being the dollar. And, you know, if the players are trying to be good or play nice for the sake of improving their odds in collective bargaining, then they are very foolish. Because as you got to understand how corporate greed works, 99 percent of the pie isn't enough for, you know, the owners or for this spirit of corporate greed. They want the whole pie. And so if you have a group of individuals who are desperate because maybe they don't have, you know, money stowed away somewhere or. You know, they are maybe maybe feel they're, they're intimidated or beholden by the owners. If they can't even fight adequately for their right to protest, what in the world do you think is going to happen in collective bargaining? They're going to get absolutely destroyed. And um, I'm actually I'm going to expound on that here in a future episode. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking about it because I really want to dig deep into this idea of the protest uh, in the NFL and what that looks like. And I understand, you know, there's illusions and comparisons that you can draw to you know, uh, Dr. King and different things like that. But I just when you look at the framework of football and you look at the idea of football 
and a, a sport wherein you want to absolutely destroy and dominate your opponent. I mean, and you have this repentant gesture. And you're not even allowed to gesture repentantly. I mean, just imagine this picture. Imagine you, you know, getting ready to lay it down for the night and you get on your knees and you pray or you do whatever you do. Imagine that gesture being rejected. And think about all that represents. And think about when you take a when those players are taking a knee, who are they taking a knee to? Who are they protesting to? Who are they? We know who they're protesting for, but who are they protesting to? And how are they protesting? And you think about these strong men, not only physically strong, but have the influence that they have and the money that they, that passes through their hands. And to not even be able to fight heroically and passionately, say for Colin Kaepernick, who is no longer employed by the NFL. I mean, just think about that for a minute. And I'm going I'm to dig into that further. But right now, I just want to talk about, um, you know, we're allowing celebrities to dictate public policy. And so Kim Kardashian uh, met with Donald Trump to discuss prison reform. And I want to present this story from CNN because I, I want to, you know, we, we read stories online and, you know, we read stories in the newspaper, but I just want to kind of, I want to encourage you all to pay attention to detail. So I'm going to read through this real quick. Um, of course, Donald Trump's going to tweet about it. Um, but CNN, you know, talked about it, said, well, uh, Kim Kardashian West met with President Donald Trump and other officials, including the senior advisor, Jared Kushner, at the White House. This was this past Wednesday. Um, so, of course, you know, they got the photo op here. Um, but then CNN, third paragraph in, Kardashian West, who wore a black suit with bright yellow stilettos, was spotted leaving the White House with a small entourage about an hour after she arrived. Fourth paragraph, she departed in a black Chevrolet SUV parked inside White House grounds, a surprising level of access and courtesy. VPI guests of the White House are usually are required to walk through a gate to board their vehicles. Uh, though she did not roll down her windows to greet a gaggle of cameras awaiting her departure, an aide in the front seat was seen recording the reporters on a phone. This is entertainment coverage. This isn't news coverage, because in my mind, if you're going to have a conversation, if you're going to discuss prison reform. I want to know the points of reference. You know, Donald Trump said, you know, very succinctly uh, on via tweet. We talk about prison reform and sentencing. I need y'all to dig deep. You know, I need I, I, I need policy details and I need that information before I know what Kim Kardashian. I don't care what Kim Kardashian was 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 wearing. And this is. For me, the reason why you have to separate celebrity from these important discussions, particularly as I'm reading a story as a black man, understanding how, you know, the privatization of prisons, how, you know, how black and, you know, people say people of color and get cutesy with the terms how black men largely what incarceration has done in terms of breaking up families, in terms of denying job opportunities. And so when you talk about prison reform, we talk about, you know, recidivism, terms like this. You know who I want speaking for us? I want somebody speaking for us like a Michelle Alexander, you know, someone who wrote the new Jim Crow. And so passionately and profoundly and just with so much expertise and understanding. Explain what it is that we need to do in prison reform, what it is that we need to do to, you know, have have a have a shift here to be able to to, to change some things where. You know, people have been unfairly punished by the justice system. Not Kim Kardashian West. Come on, man. 
was on Twitter and there was a gentleman, uh, Matthew Chapman, just had a, I mean, sometimes, you know, as, as we, we go through, you know, some, like I say, so many of us are, we're trapped in our daily lives. We're working a lot, man. Our kids are, are a handful, marital problems a lot. I mean, we're to the point now, I mean, we really go to social media to try to, you know, or go to our phones to try to take the edge off. But I mean, as much stuff as, you know, that's, that you see, you go through, you try to, you know, sift through the sift through the slop and the garbage. Sometimes you get nuggets. Got one here from Matthew Chapman. He says, Tuesday, we learned that 4,600 people died in Puerto Rico. Top story. Racist moron loses her primetime sitcom. <laughs> Talking about Roseanne. Uh, today, and that was actually yesterday, says stocks crashed as the president imposed crippling sanctions on Canada and the EU for no reason. Top story. TBS entertainer is rude to Ivanka. And he says, uh, and dropped the F-bomb, and says, are we this dumb? And that's actually the question I want to ask as I, as I close out this episode. I didn't want to keep you guys too long. I, we have a decision to make. And the decision that we have to make is, is are we going to aspire to be entertained at the expense of, of really knowing what's going on in this country. Do we want to be entertained at the expense of not understanding just some of the atrocities that are going on in this country and throughout the world? And so often the answer is yes. So here, here, here is what has to happen in my mind. I think two things have to happen. Actually, I'm not going to put a number on it. I'm just going to go, just going to go down the list. First thing we have to do is we have to hold these media outlets accountable. And as much as we watch CNN, as much as we, you know, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever it is that you watch, understand that you have the power to contact these folks, send them a, you know, response to this stuff to say, I'm disappointed in the way that you're presenting this news. To say that first and foremost, or they maybe even get to the point because let's face it, some of these media outlets are so far gone that the best thing to do is to maybe seek independent news sources. And so that brings us to the conversation here with, you know, outlets like making a difference because there are in terms of how I get my news. And I can just tell you simply, I take in a lot of information. I research the information that I take in a lot of, you know, and I, and I do that a lot of times, even just before I present it to you guys, but definitely you know, for myself. And that that's something that that has to happen. I also think we have to be discerning even as we're on social media, because we get so lost in just some of these uh, unimportant beefs and unimportant, you know, conver- uh, conversations. And, you know, I and again, I because I, I want to make sure I say this because we can do both. We can both be entertained and both be informed. But it's all about the presentation. And social media outlets, their presentation is, okay. I'm going to take a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of news, a little bit of games, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it's the equivalent of being presented a bowl of slop. You know, in in a in a prison cafeteria. I mean, you eat this stuff and I mean, there's no there's no spiritual, spiritual nourishment. There's no informational nourishment. And so we're lost. And I think the result is is that you have a largely misinformed populace. And so as a result, you may post something on your page or you may see a conversation happening on another page and you willfully dive into this hell known as the comment section. 
but understand who you're who you're waging war against or who you're waging, you know, who you're taking taking on in battle. It's these uninformed folks. And I've gotten to the point personally, man, like I used to be one of those guys that I mean, I used to, I used to live for, you know, diving into the comment section. Arr! You know, I got to take this person now. I got to take their. No. You expend so much energy and. It's a waste of time that you could spend doing things that are infinitely more constructive to include informing yourself about the things that are really going on. And so that's one I want to encourage you guys to do. A lot of this, I got to be honest with you, man, has to do with just us putting down the phone. I mean, honestly, man, sometimes just hitting the reset. button. I think we can all say confidently that we are over relying on our phones. Sometimes maybe need to put them down, maybe pick up an actual book that you have to flip the pages. That may be it. And that's honestly not respectability politics, man. I'm speaking for myself, man, as a person who uses the phone entirely too much. I just I have a, a sense of urgency about this, man, because I just think we're living in very perilous times. And if we're, we're not careful, so, so many things are being lumped in and, and lumped together and there's no individuality. There's no I mean, you look at I mean, just in terms of when you look on when you look in the media and you say what's authentically or I'll just even say solely 100 percent black. It's it's virtually non-existent. It's getting to the point now I went to a bookstore. This is uh, actually one of the national chains. And there used to be a section you could go to that was strictly African-American, you know, studies that has been you know, uh, lumped in with what's called cultural studies. So you get the LBGTQ and Native American, all these things. And so what's happening is, is that we're subscribing to these narratives and these presentations in the media, you know, things like people of color and people say, well, well, Ken, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is, is that America for, I mean, for, for its entirety, since black folks were brought over here and, you know, in chains on ships is that, there's been an agenda and it's not just American. Let me, it's worldwide to totally disregard, disrespect, whitewash, eliminate black culture. And so we're in a battle right now as black people. And this battle is waged in the media. Make no mistake about it. It's there's a battle and, and, and we should have the sense of urgency as a people to say, you know what? I want to learn more about myself. I want to learn more about, First of all, just the things that are going on. And then what's going to happen is, is that once you have that general understanding, once you begin to, to taste that understanding, and I'm seeing that some of the guys who are, you know, who are watching the show and who are listening to the show, man, my man Al Hayes is committed to it. Love you, brother. Um, you're going to start realizing, man, some of the stuff that's being presented to you in the media, you're like, man, this stuff is total BS, man. And as you're able to differentiate and as you're able to discern, man, I think you're going to see the change in yourself. It's going to put you on the island sometimes. Make no mistake about it because everybody's not there yet. But you got to be patient with the process, man, even with yourself, even with myself, man. I'm still learning. It's a beautiful process, man. And, you know, you just have to sometimes you just got to find those outlets, man, where you got to get this stuff out. My outlet, I'm just fortunate, man, you know, to have making a difference, man, to be able to express some of these thoughts. But, you know, we got to I just want us to be able to step away from the celebrity addiction, man. Um, You know. I can't I can't say this enough, man. They're honestly more important things, man. So we, we got to temper this thing. We got to you know, we got to enjoy celebrity in moderation because we're at a point now where we're overdosing on it, man. And it's it's really costing us. I think um, aside from, you know, a, a lot of other things that's going on, man, it, it's it's really costing us our 
our way of life and I just think our even our well-being and, and our mental state of mind. With those things, man, I'm going to close out this episode of Making a Difference. Um, I just want to encourage you guys, as always, man, listen to the show. Um, you know, you can listen to SoundCloud.com backslash Making a Difference. There are some episodes I know y'all haven't listened to, man. Just just catch up, man. We're going to try to uh, you know, continue to bring the new material. I want you guys to to take advantage of that and to also spread the word about this show. This is black independent media. Um, it, it is uh, it's a challenge that I take pride in, but it's a challenge nonetheless to get the word out. I need y'all's help to do that, man. Um, share this episode. Share making a difference. Let people know, hey, there are people who are speaking about these issues and they're speaking speaking on them in a corny um, or a uh, unauthentic way. With that, I'm signing off, man. Can't making. This is making a difference. Peace. Love you guys. God bless. All right, so the episode just ended and you're mad. MAD making a difference, but you're also mad because the episode is over. But here's the deal. The movement continues. It continues on social media and far beyond. Social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can go to facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show and you can keep up with social commentaries. You can also know when the podcasts are coming out. You can also know when our video laws are coming out. And that's the way you can keep up with that is facebook.com backslash making a difference show. You can also keep up with us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Difference Making. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E Making. M-A-K-I-N. If you want to follow the SoundCloud podcast, you can do so by going to SoundCloud.com backslash Making a Difference. If you're interested in advertising with Making a Difference, you can shoot an email to Making M-A-K-I-N a Difference Show at gmail.com. That's Making a Difference Show at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. I love you guys. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.